And welcome to the 22nd episode of the very unofficial AICP Study Guide Podcast. I am Jonathan Miller, and thank you so much for joining. First, uh, seriously, for real, uh, I'm sorry for the delay in getting this one out. As I'm sure you all can identify, life gets busy, and I had to pivot to some personal things uh, and some other things that you know actually helped pay the bills. Uh, anyways... As a friendly countdown reminder, uh, April 30th is the deadline for registering for the exam, and the exam window opens, well, the day after that. So, you have about, give or take, 38 days or a little over a month, so let's hop to it. Last episode, which feels like forever ago at this point, we covered Daniel Burnham's 1909 Plan of Chicago and the Wacker's Manual of the Plan of Chicago, which wasn't written by Wacker at all, but was actually written by Walter Moody. Uh, If you need clarification on that, you can go back to the last episode. This week, though, we're building on the academics where the Wacker Manual of the Plan of Chicago was maybe the first grade school level textbook on planning. What about first college class or department or major textbook? Well, we will take it from the top and travel to one of the premier Ivy League schools in the city on a hill. If you didn't guess, to find, possibly, the first college course in urban planning, we have to go to Harvard uh, and their urban planning program. And I'm kidding, because there was no urban planning program. In fact, no one really had one at that time. Some colleges may say that they did, but this really means that they kind of talked about it sometimes in some of the classes. Uh, Remember, we are still really in the profession's infancy. So, as we should all be aware, uh, what profession did urban planning come out of? Right? Landscape architecture. So, bear with me here through this one. Uh, My parents were not able to buy me into Harvard, so I imagine some of these details may be a little off. Uh, Finding the references was a little bit challenging. Uh, Now, despite some conflicting claims, Harvard's Landscape Architecture Program was started in 1900 by Frederick Law Olmsted Jr. Yes, him again. And side note, if you get a question on landscape architecture, just say it was Frederick Law Olmsted or Olmsted Jr. Uh, It seems like a pretty decent bet at this point. Uh, Anyways, Jr. establishes the landscape architecture program and served as the chair until 1908. During this time, he obviously taught classes as well, and as the champion of urban planning that we know him to be, he incorporated plenty of urban planning concepts into the curriculum there. In 1908, though, Olmsted called it quits as the chair of the Landscape Architecture Program, and this is where a guy named James Sturgis Prey enters. So Prey, a native Bostonian, graduated from Harvard in 1898 and immediately went to work with, of course, Olmsted Jr. and his brother at their firm uh, as an apprentice. 
and I imagine he must have made a pretty good impression on some level because it was only a few years later, in 1903, that Prey joined Harvard as an instructor. Eventually, he was able to grace the ranks of uh, the Harvard professors in 1905, and he was teaching right alongside Junior himself. So let's fast forward a few years to 1908, and Olmsted Jr. says, I have way too much shit to do to worry about teaching these little shit kids. At least, that's what I imagine him saying. I mean, we all have had those professors. But anyways, this opened up the opportunity for James Sturgis Prey to take over for Jr. as chair of the Landscape Architecture Program. So, Prey took over as chair in 1908, and he wasted no time getting city planning more involved. Like Olmsted Jr., he definitely had been incorporating components of it uh, into his classes, but in 1909, he actually created the first class, not just at Harvard, but anywhere, dedicated specifically to city planning. On top of that, he also started advertising amongst his peers that Harvard had a city planning specialization that was housed within the landscape architecture program. Prey ended up serving as chairman of Harvard's landscape architecture program until 1928, and he even served as the Charles W. Elliott Professor of Landscape Architecture from 1914 until 1929 when he died. Full disclosure, uh, I had no idea what the hell that was. So I looked it up. Apparently, professors who are named Charles W. Eliot professors are the who's who of the people in their fields. So basically, city planning couldn't have asked for a better ambassador to inaugurate the profession's first class. Meanwhile, the University of Illinois was navigating its own path to planning, and understanding how they got there is almost just as important to understand our profession's roots. To understand, let's add a little context. This was the University of Illinois. Illinois, in the Midwest. And what was the Midwest known for? And still known for? Yes, farming. After all, the University of Illinois is one of our land-grant universities. Subsequently, the University of Illinois had a pretty robust agriculture program, which over the years kept adding in specialties. In 1870, the Department of Ag became the College of Ag, with two divisions, agriculture and horticulture slash fruit growing. So, sure. In 1899, the horticulture program was given its own dedicated department, which kept adding on divisions over the next several years, like vegetable crops in 1902, floriculture in 1908, and in 1912, plant breeding and landscape architecture. There she is. So, with a brand new landscape architecture division, the University of Illinois in 1913 looked to Harvard and said, I see what you're doing over there. You have a dedicated class to city planning? Well, we have a dedicated professor of civic design. What's up now? Uh, disclaimer, I don't know if the Illini actually looked at Harvard and got all weird about uh, one-upping them, but... They were the only two colleges at that time offering classes in city planning, so there's that. Uh, anyways, they 
went ahead and hired Charles Mulford Robinson as the first professor dedicated to civic design slash city planning. But who was this Charles Mulford Robinson? Well, he started out as just a journalist, really. His education was in writing, uh, and he wrote for several uh, papers and publications. Keep in mind, too, if you've been following along, this period of the late 1800s was one where our cities were changing rapidly and not always in the best ways, right? So when Robinson toured Europe in the early 1890s, he saw how advanced the European cities seemed to be compared to our American ones. So when the Chicago World's Fair opened up and he visited that, it just sparked a passion, uh, like it did with a lot of people, really. So he wrote the book, The Fair of Spectacle, and basically from that point on, dove into the world of planning. In 1901, he wrote about the City Beautiful movement in a book called The Improvement of Towns and Cities. Uh, he developed plans for Fort Wayne, Indiana, uh, and he even helped review uh, some plans for parks in St. Joseph, Missouri. And then in 1913, he was hired as the first full professor of civic design. Fun fact, his first classes in 1913 and 1914 put together a study of civic conditions in Champaign and Urbana, and the chapters were town data, introduction, sanitation, railroad transportation, the electric railway, the main traffic streets, secondary streets, street trees, the parks, and playgrounds. Uh, if you're feeling ambitious, a link to that full report, actually, uh, that they had put together is in the show notes. So we have our first course uh, and our first professor in city planning, uh, two different schools, but whatever. So what did they use as the textbook? Anyone? Because I don't know either. Here's the thing, and I'm going to be straight with you here. For the exam, you will need to know what the, quote, first major textbook on city planning is. Well, the answer, to make a long story short, is a book called Carrying Out the City Plan by a guy with one of the sweetest names ever, Flavel Shirtliff. Uh, I, I don't even know if that's how you pronounce it, but that's what I'm going to go with. Uh, here's the rub, though. For the life of me, I can't find what class or school this was a textbook for. Uh, I was always under the impression that a textbook was for a class, not just like a book with text, because even then it wouldn't have been the first. So sure, it's their exam, let's go with it. But if anyone knows what school or class this was for, if it was for a class or school, uh, let me know and I am more than happy to pass that along. Textbook or no textbook, though, it was still important. You see, our friend Flavel Shirtleff was an attorney in Boston because, well, only attorneys have names like Flavel Shirtleff. Uh, anyways, Flavel was an attorney and he ended up specializing in the legalities of planning. Later on in life, he eventually became counsel for the American Planning and Civic Association, uh, and even taught planning legislation and administration at MIT. 
And no, this was not the textbook for that class, I don't think, because that class was in 1940, so there's that. Regardless, he was an integral part of the profession. He helped plan the earlier conferences, and in 1914, he wrote this book, Carrying Out the City Plan, The Practical Application of American Law in the Execution of City Plans. And of course, Olmsted Jr. pitched in on it as well by writing the introduction. There you have it. Uh, some of academia's firsts in planning. We had our first course in planning at Harvard with Professor James Sturgis Prey. We had our first dedicated professor to planning at the University of Illinois' horticultural program, of all things, with Mr. Charles Mulford Robinson. And our first textbook uh-huh, in planning carrying out the city plan, the practical application of American law in the execution of city plans, written by none other than attorney Flavel Shirtleff. And with that, thanks again for joining me. Uh, If you have any questions or you know how or why carrying out the city plan was a textbook and not just a book, feel free to reach out to me at the very unofficial AICPguide at gmail.com and I will do my best to help out if I can and pass along that information to everyone for you if you know. For those who tuned into our last episode, which wasn't last week, it was a while ago, I'm sorry again, our question was... What was one of the main criticisms of the plan of Chicago and ultimately the Beaux-Arts style of planning as a whole? And that answer, in a nutshell, is that the focus of the plan um, and the Beaux-Arts style in general placed a lot of importance on physical improvements. Uh, Critics said of the 1909 plan of Chicago that it was trying to create Paris on the prairie which is weird because to me that doesn't sound like a bad thing. Uh, If you want to play along this week, our question is, what year did James Sturgis Prey initiate the first course on city planning? Anyways, don't forget to subscribe to this podcast on whatever platform you use for podcasts, and feel free to sign up on the show's website so you can follow along with future episodes help prepare for the exam, and supplement all of your other study regimens. And share this out with any planners you know. Uh, And don't forget to leave a review either. Uh, Next week, and I promise it will be next week, we are going to backtrack slightly. As we're moving along, we're starting to hit more of the legal stuff, including zoning. So we'll go back and cover some of the early greatest hits of zoning, like use limitations in San Francisco, the court's support of height restrictions, and restrictions related to future development in Los Angeles. Thanks again, everyone. Till next time.